feel the heat of the game. The crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache. And the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on boiler servicing and maintenance, visit opc-ltd.uk. Let's go! A decent game. The lads put a lot into it against a very good team. We'd maybe done enough to nick it, but it wasn't to be. So a little bit disappointed with the manner of the, of the goal and that we couldn't see out the game. We've all got to stand up and be counted at this this tough time for the club. It's there, but we've just got to dust ourselves down and, and go again on Saturday and, and try and get a win. But there is some boys who all they've got is the football. They look forward to Tuesday, Thursday training the game on a Saturday, and we're not going to have that. The Blue Radio Football Show with Rob McLean, Stephen Craigan, and Pat Bonner. With OPC Energy Limited, the renewable energy specialists. Call 0808 17 17 700. So have you cooled down about Celtic's warm weather training trip to Dubai or are you still hot under the collar? Surely the 10-in-a-row dream, if it wasn't shattered already, can't possibly survive that late Hibs equaliser at Celtic Park last night. Three games in hand for the defending champions, but 21 points adrift of the runaway leaders. Rangers fans, are you celebrating already? Has the 23-game unbeaten Premiership run from your team been submerged under all the talk about Celtic's journey to the Middle East and the 15 players and coaches of course who were counted out of that big game last night. How are you feeling about lower leagues football being binned for the next three weeks and who knows maybe longer. Was that the right call? And transfer news, Rangers are chasing Aberdeen's Scott Wright, it seems, and Hibs have already signed Australian international Jackson Irvin. Remember him previously with Celtic, Kilmarnock and Ross County moved to Burton Albion down south. And we're going to talk Livingston a little while with one of their stars of the moment, Josh Mullen. And uh, the oldest club in Scotland, Queen's Park, are clearly going places. We'll hear from their newly appointed Chief Executive Leanne Dempster. Uh, Leanne on the show as well. Uh, you can be on the show too. The phone number is 0808 17 17 700. Text go on your message to 87474. And on the socials at Go Football Show. And there is, of course, football tonight in the Premiership, the game that was called off at the weekend. It was that bizarre situation uh, where the game at Tannadice was called off in the afternoon. And then the match at Dens Park, which is about 200 yards away. Uh, went ahead in the evening and Dundee got through just about in the Scottish Cup. It is Rob McLean here. Stephen Cragen is with me on a Tuesday. And we welcome to the show. He's appeared on the show before, but first time in the studio for the legend that is Packy Bonner. How are you? Good, Rob. Nice, uh, nice to be with you. And uh, of course, it's been a very event- eventful week, can we say that? Um, so I'm sure, sure we have a lot to talk about tonight. <laughs> what about last night at Celtic Park? Yeah, I was there and, and I was working at the game. And, um, you know, I must say that the, the younger group of players that was called upon by Celtic to go in and and, and do a turn for the club uh, performed um, very well. Um, I thought the first half they played, uh, they were the better team. I was surprised maybe that Hibs weren't more uh, on the front foot, uh, they kind of almost sat back a little bit and, and, and kind of 
maybe make it made it difficult for Celtic and Celtic control things a little bit. Second half, they kind of almost match Celtic up to nullify them, um, and that stopped Celtic probably creating chances that he did in the first half. They created about four chances, I think, in that in that first half. Shots, albeit from outside, he had two very good chances. One that they got in uh, down the left-hand side um, and, and, the, and the young player, Cameron Harper, that was called upon, the young USA player, just seen the goal and he, and he could have yeah. brought his head up and just cut it back. I think there was two players, mm-hmm. I think Tom Rudzik and, and, and uh, young Mikey Johnson was waiting for the cutback and didn't come. But you can't blame the young man for that when he gets into that mm. position on, a, on, a, on his debut. Um, and then the one where Turnbull, who, who scored a magnificent goal, fantastic goal, that first half when he when he just clipped that ball over uh, Stephen over the just just put his foot under it and put it into the path of Callum McGregor who kind of probably didn't get the contact what it did he would have wished uh, and and the chance was gone but uh, so they had the chance the second half I thought they got out of they, I think everybody thought they got out of jail mm. <laughs> you've got to say when 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 Turnbull scored that magnificent yeah. free kick unsavable I think. Uh, and as soon as the free kick was given, you could see that this was the moment that they were waiting for. Mm. And when you had that quality in the team to, to step up and, 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 and put it right and past a goalkeeper who, who again, I thought played very well, Matt Macy. Yeah, I was very, good, impressed, yeah. very impressed with him from Hibb's perspective. Uh, and then you're saying, but then that old failing came in that they couldn't defend a, a free kick. A, a free kick that was given away so easily also, you know, it, it, it really It was a cheap one, yeah, by Laxall, wasn't it? Laxall, yeah. yeah. And he was cut kind of almost body square and he, and, and even when, when the player stepped inside him, there was bodies there to protect the goal. Yeah. He didn't have to make the challenge, uh, but it was kind of almost a rush of blood and then, then he just couldn't defend the first ball. And, and you know, what I thought, they were under pressure from that perspective most of the night. They obviously had Shane Duffy playing, uh, and the team, and that he he had a big role to play in trying to defend set pieces. The other two that was called upon to help him was uh, young Stephen Walsh, who was just in the team, and then Tom Rogic, who is not one that you would say um, is as a an out and out type of defensive type player mm. who's given that role to pick up. But he brought him off mm. before the set piece, yeah. before well before that, and then suddenly they were down to having only two players. The rest of them, if you look at them all. Probably, I'm trying to go through them, Laxall, uh, Frimpong, uh, McGregor. Turnbull probably would be the biggest one of them. Yeah. Well, I think uh, it was his man that won the first header, wasn't it, when the ball came it? in? Yeah. I think David and... Uh, was he marking Ryan Porteous, possibly? Yeah. And wrestling, the ball broke free and Conor Hazard... Yeah, but, but, but as soon swap. as they took out... Tom, even though Tom Rodgers might not be, you know, in everybody's mind as a great defensive... He's still big enough. He's tall enough. Tall enough, and then they replace him. So, so suddenly, then that created a problem. And even trying to hold the line, maybe even higher, higher. Mm. And then when the ball comes back into the goal, you know, young Connor Hazard. I thought Connor played very well in the yeah. game, uh, and he had to go for the ball. He had to try to stop Dodge getting a header, getting a header, uh, and and he, he kind of almost flapped at it. And then when it failed to Kevin, it was a great finish. Yeah, it's a recurring theme, though, isn't it? I mean, the the you know the the Celtic being a a soft touch crags defensively. Yeah. That's something they'll look back on this season at, and they will think that's been their Achilles heel. And, and and teams have tried to exploit it. Teams have went more aggressive. They went more direct. Every set play, they're trying to lump them top off them because they feel as if they can get something from it. And sometimes it's not even, you know, I think last night's the example. It's not even just the first ball. It's the second ball. Sometimes the third one that bounces about. They don't actually seem to go and clear their line. So I would like to think that the staff will look back over the season and think, you know, could we have set up better? Could we have... 
you know, defend it a little bit better, give better information because it's just a recurring theme. You can't just say, well, it keeps happening. You've got to try and fix it. And yeah. it looks as if it's saying it hasn't been fixed. You're reliant on players also when you go onto that pitch yeah. to do something about it. You know, if, if I was to analyse some of the players um, from that almost fearing danger, getting themselves into position and, and making sure that you won that second ball because not every ball that you can win in the air. Mm-hmm. If I watch Laxell, for example, who's coming from Italy, uh, which, uh, of course, he's not Italian, but coming in from that environment, if I watch him, he's always watching the first ball. Mm. He's almost standing. Even the goal against Rangers, if you look at it very carefully, when that ball was flicked on at the near post, and I don't know why somebody wasn't, other than Frimpong, wasn't picking up or Ebo. Mm. <laughs> and, and and again, last night, there was an incident where, where uh, I think early on in the game, where Kevin, Kevin Nisbet Kevin got Nisbet, across yeah. the front post and, and he flicked on and went over yeah. the crossbar. That's a critical position, you know, at the, the, the wanting that first ball in that area or be first to the ball. But then when, it, when when you can't get to that first one, the next ball, and if you look at that Rangers game, Laxo was picking up Morelos at the back post. He's almost standing watching the ball and the Morelos goes round the back of him. Okay, the ball goes into the net. I know I don't think he could point too many fingers at the goalkeeper from that perspective. Some might say, then why do you not have somebody on the back post? But if you haven't got, then the player at the back needs to do his job. But if that ball didn't go in the net and it maybe hit the post, Morelos was there to tap it yeah. in. Or if it went to, into that position, so yeah. so from my from that point of view, it's just about players. Also, I know you can, and listen, we've always been there, Stephen. Yeah. You know, we've gone on the training pitch, and set pieces a difficult thing to actually uh, to actually almost uh, practice. You know, you have to probably, I think, in the modern way, you bring them into the game situations, mm. and you try to get taking a group of players out to stand around for for a half an hour, 40 yeah. minutes to do set pieces is not probably conducive to, to try to get them to, to switch on, that's for sure. You can talk about it, you can put it up on the boards, you can mm. you can go on the iPad before they go out, and you get, but you're reliant yeah, on players to do instinct. their job. You're relying on instinct and relying on players wanting to go and hit the ball. That's the two things you're relying on as a manager, aren't you? You know, your players have to have that instinctive, defensive thought on their mind and I don't think too many Celtic players do and then you've also got to have that willingness within yourself to say, I want to go and head this ball. I mean, you, you know, you don't get either of those right, then unfortunately you're going to concede goals. Yeah, well, we're going to speak about where, where we go from here, where Celtic are going to go from here. Um, is it going to be long-term planning now? Is it going to be a, a major rebuild? But but of course, the whole prelude to last night, it was such a, it was such a strange game because of what had preceded it. I mean, Celtic had 13 players and Neil Lennon and John Kennedy isolating um, on the back of the, the trip to Dubai, Packy. I mean, I, I, I watched the, the, the Sky build-up last night to the game. You did listen and, and, to, and, and, to me. No, no, of course I was listening to you in my <laughs> other ear. Uh, I, I couldn't avoid listening to you in my other ear. But um, Andy, Andy Walker was saying things like, this is not the club that I played for. You know, he, I, he, well, he, he's looking for a show of contrition from Celtic. You know, he's looking for somebody to say, we got this wrong, which hasn't happened yet. How, as a, as a Celtic legend, which is what you are, how are you feeling at the moment about your old club? Well, initially, when, when I heard that they actually went off to Dubai, I was really angry and shocked. Uh, and, and, you know, if I had the opportunity, I would have, and I had somebody to talk to inside Celtic, I would have phoned them up and been really angry. You know, and as somebody who played for the club for a long time, but also supports the club uh, to to a point, we're obviously working in the media, and we have to see what's on the pitch, and we've got to talk about it from a neutral stance. But we still have have feelings for the club that you played for for seventeen years, very much so. And 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 you know, as, as somebody also, and, and I've admitted in the, in the past, and I'll say it again, that I'm a shareholder at the club, uh, albeit a sm- very small, uh, but 
all of those people, uh, the fans, you know, uh, shareholders, everybody, they have got a right to hear from the club um, and, and hear from Peter Lowell, who's who's the chief executive, to come out and say, listen, um, uh, you know, and, and there's no harm in saying at this point in time, he doesn't have to say that uh, from, from a protocol point of view that they got it wrong because they'll, they'll argue that they did everything right. Yeah, but, but from a perception it, yeah. point of view that we all talk about, for going out there in the current climate, even though they had, even though that they had planned it in November, things change and it's changing on a daily and a weekly basis. So from that perspective, and sometimes you have got to come out and say, "Listen, we've got this wrong. We, we, we from a perception point of view, we got this wrong, and we apologise to our fans. He doesn't have to apologise to anybody else, but to, to his fans and and all of those people that I mentioned, and and we will we will." We'll learn from it and we'll move on. I would like to hear that because I think that would go somewhere to maybe saying that at least now they're thinking about what they're doing. From, from, but, but when you don't hear anything, then then that, that's difficult for, for the fans. I didn't listen to Andy. I, I don't know what Andy said uh, from that perspective. But well, I just I, think I, from, I, from a club perspective... I, I mean, think in, essence, in essence, Andy, Andy was looking for Celtic to show some contrition about it, looking for them to say... To say sorry, to say what you're saying as, as well. That, yeah, but I he, think he was. So. I mean, he was aiming at Dermot Desmond. I have to say that was the name. That was the name he mentioned um, in terms of who should be standing. Well, no, up Dermot Desmond and, 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 and making from, a statement. Yeah. But but sorry, you know, you're, you're obviously talking about Peter Law as the man who day to day runs well, the club. Well, anybody within the board or within within Peter, whoever's the spokesman from from a from a leadership point of view should be coming mm. out just to say, listen, guys, we've got this. And we'll admit we got from a perception point of view we didn't we didn't read it properly, um, we 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 got it we got it wrong from that perspective, um, and and that we feel that we we done everything. But but it's not about whether you did the protocols right. It was, it's not about that. It's about just the fact that in the current climate, when people can't leave their house, they're they're really struggling. Um, people are in hospital. Fans, Celtic fans all over the place. They're in the NHS. They're they're working re- really really hard. Uh, they're under pressure um, and so on and so forth. All of that and to go out to Dubai. Whether I, I put up the argument last night, Robin, and I don't know what you think about it, Stephen. If I was sitting down in November um, and we were saying, right, okay, where are we? There's an opportunity to go to Dubai. That's that's one thing. Okay, then if you've got a a weight against what we have here, there is no doubt that what they have out in Dubai is incredible. The facilities, everything's there, the hotel, the training complex, absolutely. But they still have a fantastic complex up mm. in Lennoxtown. Albeit the weather is, is not so good, but still they have a, a undersoil heating, so they can still train, maybe not to the extent that they can train out in Dubai, but they can still do their do their job. So you've got to weigh that against that. So we've, we've got that. We've got no break. break. Um, it's just we, we, we've had the opportunity to move the game, fine. Um, so you weigh all those things up. Uh, but then you have to look at what is our object, what's our priority here? Try to get a grip of what Rangers are doing and get close to them. And it was it was actually Alan Preston that mentioned it at the weekend. If they had the opportunity to play a game midweek, they also play on the Saturday against Hibs instead of the Monday. Rangers are going up to Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Now they would have, and yeah. they had the opportunity to reach. And then if you throw in that they could, by November, they could have been saying, okay, if we could beat Rangers at Ibrox, that would be a turn of six points. Yeah, 
We could have taken it back to almost seven points by the time that Rangers go up to Aberdeen. Yeah, Davy Proven mentioned that in here yeah. as well the other yeah. week, say, saying, why why not be proactive and fit another game in? I, so, so that, that's one aspect. The other aspect, though, Craggs, is is gauging the mood, isn't it? <laughs> and, and, you know, Celtic don't seem to have been able to do no, that. It's morally wrong because of what's going on, not just here in Scotland, but around the world, for a team to go and travel to another country for some warm weather training and we get the upside we spoke about it last week we get the upside of the facility and the pitch and the the temperature fine we get all that but not now not in the middle of a pandemic and there's been no reason I've heard from Celtic yet whether it's a statement whether it's a member of staff whether it's a player speaking to the media no one has convinced me or anyone else it seems that what they've done was right any of the reasons that they've mentioned aren't valid because of the you know, the moment mm. we're in. Scott Brown said that, you know, uh, it was a quote, I think, in one of the papers, wasn't there, saying that, you know, there's no harm in sitting in a sunbed and relaxing for a bit of downtime. Yes, there is. In this day and age, yeah. you can't be doing it. You know, players, uh, Gavin Strachan said last night, you know, we've always done it, so it works well, but not in this day and age. Of not, course it not, works not, well. Not, we, we, but not now, packing no, what's going on. We understand that it works well. Yes. And, and but, that, but, but I think the priority was mixed up that we go out there um, and... You know, we'll we'll get this bounce from it, uh, and then it'll take us into the rest of the season. My the priority, as I just mentioned, would be try to claw the points back yeah. in Rangers first and foremost. Put them under pressure, challenge them, challenge them to see could they handle a bit more mm. pressure. They're sitting at this moment in time, twenty one points ahead. After of course they won the old, the, the, the game at the Ibrox, the Celtic have dropped two more points again. Mm. Uh, so they're they're in a great. But there is no real pressure on Rangers, and that's what you have to test Rangers with, mm. because let's face it, last year. When you know they had beaten Celtic, then they went into this break, and then they, they collapsed, and, and Celtic mm-hmm. could have, and 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 they couldn't handle it. No, but this year you have, they haven't been able you haven't been able to ask the hard questions no. of no. them. No. But I think they said in one of their statements that it was for performance reasons. That you know yeah. that's why they went into Dubai. But that's all. Well, it's came back. They've lost thirteen players, mm. so it's all irrelevant. And, yeah. and those the players you wanted to get fit and playing together aren't. No. So it completely defies yeah, the yeah. logic of the full trip. And Stephen, those those thirteen players are all going to be isolated. They're all yeah, going well, to it's be affect them in Saturday. So last night, if you know Neil Lennon said we can go on a winning run, win the rest of our games, and we you know could possibly have a chance of winning the title. Well, they went and put that all in the bin by going to Dubai, yeah. losing thirteen players, you know, losing two points last night. That's it officially over. There's I think no it's fair way. to say, though, Rob, that that we don't know whether whether uh, Julian has picked up the virus. Before he went or out there, but let's let, you know. It's, but, they, but they're regularly tested, aren't they? So they are. So but they are. but it, there's an incubation period, yeah. so we don't really know that. But and let's say if you were a betting man, you could say that maybe it was picked up there. That maybe, but it's the fact that he was actually out on the trip. Mm. Also, that's another big, big question. Yeah. So why why was there some medical thing that he was going to get out there that was going to help him? Yeah. He's in crit. Or could he not have stayed back? And and it, if you were to write a drama about this, everything would have went probably, yep. uh, and all of those things would have went against Netflix what you would or expect. maybe Netflix <laughs> are maybe dreaming it up as we as we speak. Um, we're going to hear in the course of the show from from Gavin Strachan and probably raise a question at that point as well. We'll get to that later uh, about why it was Gavin Strachan that was having to field all the questions last night because obviously all the questions were not all about the football match. Um, but that's for uh, later in the show. We're going to take a break right now you can feel free to get in touch with us and give us your view on this or indeed on anything else as 
well. 0808 17 17 700. You can text GO in your message to 87474. It's at GO Football Show on the socials. But we're going to change uh, direction, change gear on the back of the break because we're going to talk about Livingston. What a spell they are having. They've won eight on the bounce, nine out of their last 11 matches. And their winger, Josh Mullen, is up next. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go! Yeah, the Go Radio Football Show with Rob McLean, Stephen Cragen, and Packy Bonner is with us tonight. There is Premiership Football, of course, tonight. The rearranged game from the weekend. It was called off uh, because of an icy pitch at Tannadice. So Dundee United against St Johnston goes ahead tonight, and that is at 6.30. It starts, so we'll have uh, we'll get some team news on that round about uh, well, quite soon actually. In the next few minutes, to be perfectly honest, um, tomorrow night another rearranged game because of uh, the weather that was uh, called off last week, I think it was, and it was the Livingston pitch that was the problem that time. But Livingston against Aberdeen is down for tomorrow night. Uh, that is a seven forty-five kickoff, and I bet Livy can't wait at the moment for matches. Uh, the way things are going for them, let's talk to uh, Livy winger Josh Mullen. Hi, Josh. Hi, yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Yourself? All good, all good. Thank you. I imagine everyone's bouncing at the moment. Uh, yeah, I think, as you can imagine, um, there's obviously a good feel about the place. Uh, we're on eight out of eight now, so we've won our last eight and everybody's kind of getting into work in the morning with a spring in their step. Yeah, it's eight on the bounce, and I think it's ten wins in eleven as well. It's a, it's an absolutely incredible uh, run of form. It is, yeah. Um, I think that's obviously just kind of testament to the the coaching staff and um, the guys behind the scenes. It's obviously kind of keeping keeping demanding standards off um, all the boys, and everybody's kind of buying into to what the club's trying to do, uh, and that's where the the successes came from. Was it a bit strange playing against your old team at the weekend? You were obviously at, at Ross County um, until quite recently. It was, uh, uh, I'm still friends with a lot of the boys there, even the coaching staff, uh, Richard Britton, Don Cowie, um, even Stephen Ferguson, they, they, I, I keep in contact with all of them, so it was a strange feeling, but uh, like I said, we were kind of looking to make it eight out of eight and, and glad we got the win. Tell me about Davy Martindale, um, who's recently taken over. I mean, Davy's been a big presence there for a long, long time, but uh, formalised, I guess, recently, and that he is now the the manager by name. Um, what 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 does he do? Tell tell me how he works, Josh. I think um, it's no secret that Davy's always had a, a massive input in the club. Um, it's just down to his hard work. I've said this numerous times. He's He's kind of first in and, and last away, and now he's starting to get the, the rewards for all that work that he's put in. Um, and like I said, since he's come in, just the, the positivity um, about the place and kind of uh, like the way he wants to play football, the way he wants to get the ball down. I think you've seen that in the in the recent performances. We've also we've also mixed up and and win. Um, we've won kind of different ways, but just the kind of positivity that he brings um, every day, uh, and he just wants the best for the boys. That's all it is. He. He would love to see boys move on and do well. So it's we've got a great mixture of the now. And Stephen Cragen here was at that game, of course. He was at that uh, latest win on Sunday. I was indeed. And I thought Livingston played very well. It's um, I think they found a way to play because when you think back to when they lost Lyndon Dykes, and I know people say, oh, Lyndon Dykes is only one player, but he was so pivotal to how they played with his hold-up play, his energy. wasn't just his goals. And I think they struggled to find someone to fill that void. 
So when you struggle to find an individual to fill that void, you have to then find a different way to play. And it looked as if they had lost their way. And it's, I mean, it's not just one thing that's turned around. And I looked at the Livingston squad and I thought, they're a squad full of players who have probably been written off by some people who have lost their way. I mean, Scott Robinson, for example, who plays up front, was at East Fife before he came to Livingston. You know, so players have struggled to make an impact maybe somewhere else. And they look as if they're playing with an anger to prove people wrong. And when you get so many people pushing and pulling in the right direction, it's amazing where it can take you to. So even when, when Ross County equalised at the weekend, they didn't panic, they didn't lose their way. They knew they would find a way to get something. They made three substitutions, J. Emmanuel Thomas, come on, Jack Hamilton and Alan Forrest, all had an impact when they came off the bench. So that's pleasing as a manager to think it's not just the 11 on the pitch, it's the ones who come off the bench can make an impact and that's what eventually won them the game. So, I mean, you look at some of the wins they've had, the one at Easter Road, the one down at Kilmarnock, the one at Hamilton, they're big wins and I think it was yeah. the one against Livingston, uh, sorry, the one against Hibbs that stands out, 3-0 in the manner of the win, people went, oh, this team have really turned a corner and just everything seems to be going for them at the minute and they're absolutely flying high. Yeah, I was going to say, Josh, by the way, I've always been a great admirer, Pat Bonner here, I admire of you when I watch you as a young man. And I must say, did Gary Holt sign you? Was he there when you when you came back to the club? Yeah, he was, um, Gary Holt was there. Right, um, well, well, let me tell you, I'm very pleased to hear that because I sat up in the stand with Gary and I mentioned him to you, said I was very impressed with this young man. So if I'm the man that has influenced him and buying you, <laughs> taking you back to the club, so there you are. So anyway, I, I listen, I just wanted that. to ask you, you know, yourself now, you're 28 years old, um, you've been around a bit, you've moved around a bit. What, what have you added to your game that has allowed you to develop into the player you are now? I think it's it's more understanding, um, more understanding the game. I remember the first time I was at Livingston, and David Topkin um, made a comment to me, and he said, "When you turn twenty seven, twenty eight, he said everything will come naturally. You'll you'll understand the game, where you should be in possession, out of possession." And I think that I think that's it. Just learning the game, being away and learning the game, um, and everything coming a lot better. I've obviously I've done a, I've been doing a wee bit of work individually myself away. Um, Away from the away from the training ground with a a sports psychologist and and I know everybody's got their own opinions on that but just kind of realizing where I can get the the inputs to kind of keep keep taking my game to that next level I feel that it's helped massively for, what, what, for myself. Give, so, give us an insight into that. What is he What has he said to you? What does he What without going into it too confidentially? But is there any key thing that he he said to you that you need to add or think about when during or preparing for games or during games? It's just the kind of all the all the kind of stuff that I've done preparing preparing for games um, that I've kind of maybe been a wee bit stressed about when I've not been doing it, but now kind of understanding why um, why you kind of have these routines um, to get prepared for your game and and stuff like that, and and just realizing that um, everyone has an opinion, but just as long as you keep doing the inputs for yourself and and trusting the process that you're doing, and and I feel like that's exactly what I've done, and and now I'm getting the getting the rewards. Nothing's really changed for me. Um, it's just about working hard every day no matter what's said working hard and, and trying to improve every day um, because let's be honest we're in a we're in a privileged position so it's just kind of maximising um, in every department that I can See that's interesting because when I played Rob I dealt with a sports psychologist tried to break my game down tried to I set goals 
I've done some visualisation. I've done a logbook on players I've played against, teams I've played against. To try and take away, suppose that Josh is touching on it, that little bit of self-doubt. Trying to get an edge in your opponent, trying to get an edge in the game. So, you know, especially the visualisation I looked at was trying to visualise the stadium going to the players we're playing against, teams playing against. So when I arrived on the day, nothing was a shock. I thought, in my mind, I've been here before. I know what the style of play is. I know what the guy I'm playing against. I've made my notes. And I used to get pelters for it. And people, you know, psychologists, was it something wrong with your head and whatever have you. But whatever works for you. Yeah. And, it, and it seems to be Josh you're getting the exact same you know you're getting just a different way of dealing with things having daily routines having habits that when you go off track or you don't have a good game you've always got a plan to go back to yeah. I, I, I think quite the, like that yeah I think the visualisation that you talk about here I think is, is crucial I did it when I, when I was a goalkeeper also almost visualise the positives mm -hmm. you know instead of trying to get the negatives out of your game and almost even lying in bed at night <laughs> when you're preparing for games and thinking about the game yep. that's coming up and saying well I'm going to come and I'm taking every cross or I'm going to go and guys are going to bounce you know that kind of real mm -hmm. positive yeah. and I'm not saying if it worked or didn't work but it certainly put you in the right frame of mind so I'm glad to hear Josh that you're thinking slightly different as a young man more mature person now uh, you would probably agree yeah I think I think that's definitely it um, obviously the start of the season I had a had a wee bit to deal with um, and that's that's where I started it my, kind of, my best mate down south he pushed me in the direction of it and it's something that that I try and kind of stress to, to all the boys that it's something that I massively believe in like I said it's not for everybody but just when you're talking there you're, you're always prepared um, and it's just like you said if you have a bad game you've all, there's always a drawing board to go back to mm -hmm. but just as long as you're trusting in, in everything you do because I think it's easy to kind of go off course and start picking holes and different things but if, I, if I've got a process there that I believe in and I trust in then I think it's quite easy to to flip right, flip that right back, and, and make sure your next game's a good one. And I suppose, Josh, the the mental side of things is even more uh, important at the moment than it would normally be as well, but just because of all the the outside day to day pressures. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it, obviously it's no secret that there's loads of people struggling just now with kind of mental health. So, yeah. like I said, we are we are very privileged that we're still able to get up in the morning and and go and do something that we love. So I try and use that as a factor as well, that, look, I'm, I'm getting to go to my work every day, I'm doing something that I love, and, and I try and take, take that into training and games with me, um, and it's something that I'll continue to do. Craig's was talking as well about some of the players, maybe quite a few of the players at Livingston, with guys with something to prove, guys who maybe have been putting the scrap heap elsewhere and they've started all over again at Livy and, and rebuilt their football life. Is there something in that? Yeah, it could be, but I think obviously you look at the squad as well. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of boys that have played at a, a very good level. Um, I think there's a I think he's corrected what he said. There's a great mixture. Um, there's some boys that maybe feel that they've got something to prove, but it's a lot of hard working boys as well. Um, I think when you sign with Livingston, you need to massively buy into what they are trying to do. Um, they try and give you everything possible to go and make yourself a better player, a better individual. So we've got the We've got the right group um, just now, and I think you can see that within the, the performances. Everybody's just working for each other. And Craig's touched on it. It's not it's not just the start of the living. I think it's a squad of 20, 22, 23 boys just now. Um, the squad's been changing, so everybody's buying into it massively what we're trying to do at the club. This game tomorrow night um, against Aberdeen, I mean... <laughs> 
I guess maybe a couple of months ago, if you if you'd asked people about it to predict, they would have said, yeah, pro- Aberdeen will probably sneak that. Aberdeen are mm. probably favourites. Livingston would probably be un- even at home. Livingston would probably be underdogs against an Aberdeen team who are. Well, look at them at the moment. They're not far away from Celtic. You know, they're they're clear of Hibs at the moment. They're they're homing in potentially on on second place. That's what they'll be thinking at least. But but the the whole complexion has changed to an extent where uh, I guess most people tomorrow will fancy Livingston, Josh, for this. Yeah, we're on we're on a good run. Um, Aberdeen, obviously, they're coming off the the back of a defeat there, um, having played sixty or so minutes with with ten men. So. We would like to we would like to go there um, and and certainly have a go. Uh, obviously, like nobody's want to get carried away, but we've won it in the bounce. There's no reason why we can't go into these games with um, confidence, looking to get three points. And I think that's been the massive turning point. If I'm honest, we've we've not been out kind of looking to kind of stay in games. Everything's been from the start. It's been kind of it's about it's about what we do now, um, and everybody's obviously is, is taking that on board. And I think you see that from the first. 15, 20 minutes in our performances we have we do have a right go for it and, and recently we've been getting the rewards so I don't really think anything should change um, tomorrow but it's obviously going to be a tough task And then of course you've got two games against Celtic haven't you back to back I know, you're, I know you'll be in the one game at a time camp but you'll, you'll face a, a Celtic side equally weakened if that be the right phrase obviously they are weakened but they're still able as we saw last night to bout a very good side um, but they've got a dozen or so players missing how are you viewing that one at the weekend yeah I think it's just exactly what you said there it, it is no secret if you're if you're looking at a team then they are weakened they've, up top they've, they've, um, they've not, not got many strikers that available so it's just about trying to be um, be smart and, and see what we can kind of implement in the game but again like I said the, the, the dressing room's high in confidence there's no reason at all on on Saturday, depending on what happens tomorrow, that we can't go there full of confidence and, and see what we can get from get from the game. I think that's not something that Livingston would usually say. Um, but if we're being totally honest, we're, we're eight in the bounce and, and I feel like we're winning in a, in a good manner just now. So I would like to take that into the next few games. You've got a small support, but a very passionate support, and it's a, it's a real shame that they can't be with you at the moment, isn't it? To 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 see what you're doing and to enjoy the football you're playing. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, it, it's small, but it's passionate. I've been lucky enough to kind of experience the the playoffs in that with um, with Livingston, and I've seen them out in full force. So it's just kind of just kind of trying to kind of make them proud as well, give them something to watch because obviously they're still paying the money for the for the pay per view and stuff. So. Yeah. We're obviously kind of trying to just put in as, as good as performances as we can um, and hopefully get the, the fans back in soon. But it's the same for everyone now, so we'll just keep trying to do our bit for them. Josh, great to hear from you again on the show and uh, continue to do what you're doing. Thanks very much. I appreciate that, lads. Thank Thanks, you. Josh. All the best. All the best. That was Thanks Josh. Very much. That was Josh Mullen of Livingston uh, looking ahead to Livingston against Aberdeen uh, tomorrow night, which is a 7.45 kick-off. 6.30 tonight is uh, Dundee United against St Johnston. We'll probably get some team news out of that one uh, before uh, too much longer. Lots happening in Scottish football. Lots to talk about. What would you like to say? 0808 17 17 700 if you want to get involved. Next up, we're going to be speaking to the newly appointed Chief Executive of Queen's Park who have got big ambitions Leanne Dempster up next The Bull Radio Football Show Let's go
The Go Radio Football Show for a Tuesday with Rob McLean, Stephen Cragen and Packy Bonner, the Celtic legend, is with us in the studio as well. Good chat uh, before the break with Josh Mullen, the Livy winger who is clearly buoyant at the moment. The whole club is buoyant at the moment on the back of eight straight wins. And of course, they play Aberdeen at home uh, tomorrow night. That rearranged game, 7.45 kickoff. There's Premiership football tonight, of course. At Tannadice, it's Dundee United against St Johnston and it's kicking off in about 45 minutes time. Last night, of course, Celtic won, Hibs won. Uh, David Turnbull's wonderful free kick, we'll speak about that later on, cancelled out late on by Kevin Nisbet. 13th goal of the season for Hibs, 11 of them in the Premiership. He is going to be coveted during the transfer window, no doubt about that. Uh, he has really made the step up in style. And uh, talking about Hibs and talking about style, let's talk to the former Hibs and Motherwell chief executive. And as of today, she is the chief executive of Queen's Park, the League Two leaders. Hi, Leon. Hi, Rob. Evening. How are you guys? Very well, thank you. Tell us about the appointment, how it came around, when it came around. Yeah, it's uh, it's been in the it's been in the office not for too long actually, maybe the last sort of six or eight weeks or something like that. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think everybody's been watching what's been happening at Queens Park. Certainly, with a lot of interest, particularly since they took the the bold decision to go professional just at the uh, the turn of the uh, uh, two thousand and nineteen. Um, and I don't know. I mean, uh, we had a conversation. I, I just. I think when you when you speak to people and when you start to think about the possibilities and you look at the opportunities and you think about the things you're, you're good at and you think about I'd been at Motherwell for seven years almost and almost been at Hibs for seven years as well and I think and honestly you kind of I think you kind of get a shelf life you kind of go round you probably just round around about one too many times as it were um, and I looked at I looked at Queen's Park and thought there's you know something really exciting here the whole narrative around the club being the oldest in Scotland and Turning professional and kind of organically grown as a club, and the opportunities that that might that might present itself, and I could probably bore you to death and it's <laughs> on it. But um, yeah, and I, I, I don't know if folk look at it and say oh, you, you came out with a kind of Premier League elite to move effectively into, into League Two, but I, I certainly don't see it like that at all. I see a Queens Park as a club that you know, is, you know, as I say, just turned professional, but we want to build in that environment, but also really you're, you're almost creating a not to dis- disrespect the, the supporter base that are there at the minute, but you're almost creating a, a supporter base and a kind of hopefully, you know, um, interesting club in a, in, a, in a very organic way. So I think there's lots to do. You're, I mean, you're based at Lesser Hamden, um, Hamden having been sold by the club to the Scottish FA a couple of years back. And there's an irony, of course, in you going back anywhere near Hamden because uh, it's given you probably your finest moment in football, I'd imagine, so far. It's funny, actually. I was I kind of was standing outside today, and the guys had asked me to get a photograph taken and things like that. And I was kind of looking around me, thinking, you know, I mean, I've got such me- I've got so many fond memories of just, you know, I've not worked in Glasgow for a long time. I've worked it strangely. I'm looking just forward to be back in Glasgow, working in Glasgow, and just being on or near the national stadium. I mean, I, I think if you're a football fan, irrespective of who you, who you follow, you know, there's something special about that. Place. You feel it when you're on that, you're on that big site. So looking forward to that. A pity we don't have off season there. It would be great to get in, but I'll see if I can work some magic and see if she'll let me in and use it. But we'll, we'll see where we get to on that one. I'm hoping Stephen Craig and his fond memories of you as chief executive at Motherwell. I'm going to ask him. <laughs> There's no doubt about it that, you know, Leanne, 
built up Motherwell, was involved heavily in the club progressing well getting themselves into European football and, and then the next step for Leanne would have been to go on to a bigger club and try and do the exact same thing and there's no surprise or surprise for anybody at Motherwell when, when Hibs came calling first and foremost and then the club have progressed you know and, and, and moved themselves on and now find themselves back where they should be which is challenging for European places in, in Scottish football but suppose Leanne I imagine what attracted you the fact that would it be like a blank canvas where you can go in and start, not maybe not start from scratch, but you can shape the future of Queen's Park over the next few years? You know, I'd imagine when you went to Motherwell and Hibs, there was protocols in place and things were in place, but you can almost go to a, a fresh club and start from scratch and build it your way effectively. I think that's, that's definitely part of that, Stephen. I mean, there's first of all, there's some great people there just now who have been doing wonderful work at the club for, for all these years. But when you turn professional, standards need to change. You know, different standards need to bring it. Came in, and you, 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 you know yourself when you, you, you've been at a club this processes. And um, but the blank sheet of paper was definitely it. The, the big pull for me is this idea of building a club in a very organic and different way. And I know people say that, oh, we're going to go in and do things differently, but we've got a chance to do it differently. So we're going to build. We're going to kind of the foundation of the club is going to be two things. It's going to be obviously the performances on the pitch and and the, the draw of the club itself to, to, to build the, the supporter base. But that's going to be through a, a participation programme. And we're going to try and make that as broad as we possibly can. But that's going to be the bedrock. And, and I'm not talking about a couple of hundred kids here playing in black and white. I'm talking about, you know, a, an aspiration to have thousands of kids, in, you know, in, uh, in Glasgow playing, you know, back playing, um, you know, community football, etc., and in big participation. And then the follow-on from that, you see it in the women's game. The follow-on from that is that those kids then go to start to follow the first team. If you look at Glasgow City, for example, average attendances they're not tremendous in terms of where you are in the Premier League if you're in the men's game. But you can see that over time how that can progress. And I think there's some determination, and if you do some deliberate things around that, you know, in in a relatively short period of time in the life of a football club. 10, 15, 20 years, you build a, I think you build a supporter base for the future. And then this is just, this, the, the whole thing about it being the first club, the oldest club, where it is, the links to the kind of local community, you know, down the road from Third Lanark, it's, you know, the, the old Queen's Park Rec, you've got the Hamden site, there's just so much history there. And I don't know, I mean, like oftentimes you have chance to do different things in life, chance to move to different places, but the idea of coming back to Glasgow, working at Queen's Park, with some brilliant people, you know, we've got we've got some, you know, you're right, Hamden was sold, so the club's got some some resources to be able to make some choices, hopefully some good choices, um, and you know, just try incrementally to do things in a different way and do things in, in, a, in a better way. But it's as I was just kind of joking with one of the one of the, the people I met yesterday, you know, I've learned not to try and eat the whole elephant in the first week. You know, I'm just kind of nibbling around the toenails at the moment <laughs> because because there's so much, but um, I feel as happy about starting a job as I've done for a long time. I feel I've got that energy I had when when I started at Hibs, you know, that kind of determination. However, I don't have the 3,000 protesters that were outside the main stand when I, on my first day at Hibs, so slightly different. Yeah, so it's a much smaller operation, Leanne, really, isn't it, as well, staff-wise and budget-wise? But, you know... I mean, you can hear the excitement in your voice yeah. of what you want to do and how you can grow it and how you can move it forward. It does really sound like an exciting time, but I imagine it'll just build up over time. Yeah, I mean, I want to get... We have to... There'll be lots of things around the first team that we want to. We need to We need to make sure the first team's resource to... First and foremost, we have to be sure that this league season can complete because it's important for us that 
um, if it does, and hopefully we're still going to be at the top of the league, you know, when that happens, because you know I don't think anybody wants to be in the situation that that we were in last year. If we are fortunate enough to get it complete and we and we do go up, we need to make sure that we uh, we prepare ourselves. Um, for the first division, should that happen, because that's a, that's a very different environment. And then, I mean, ultimately, I think people will say, "Liano, you're going to try and take uh, Queens Park in the Premier League." What we want to do is build a football club, which I think organically over time will eventually get to the Premier League. Liano, pa- yeah, sorry, sorry, carry on, carry on. Sorry, pa- um, I don't know whether you put a timeline on on these things, but the thing which will fuel that, and I've talked about it before, but in the bedrock, and this is what we do with our in the community and the participation program, because that will help fund some of the work that we've got planned, and it will also embed us, you know, and we'll do, you know, it won't just be around for um, for families and for kids that can afford to come and play football and sports and other things. It'll be wider than just football. It will be for the whole community. So we're on a bit of a mission, I think, post COVID. I mean, we know that people are struggling anyway in normal life, but post-COVID football, football is going to be more important. Community work and things that people do, and the, the, how football kind of seeps into life and can and can influence is going to be even more important. And I think we want to we want to kind of use that as an opportunity. But somebody will say to me, Leanne, Queen's part in the Premier League, you're having a laugh, and I say, well, just sit back and see. <laughs> Leanne Papo, I was going to ask you that <laughs> in relation to, and and I hear what you're saying about fantastic. Uh, plans and so on, and it should have attracted you to the club, and that uh, you know starting off from a, a blank canvas. But uh, ha- has there been discussions about where this, now that you've gone professional, where this team can should go to in the future? Has that been discussed? The, I, think, I mean, the yeah, senior I'm, team that is. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um, I think it's a big ask. Let's just be honest. It's going to be, and it's not the, the be all and end all for our club to get into the Premier League. What we want to do is, is get through the league, and I think at a point that that opportunity will come if we are diligent and we're determined. And is there a time um, scale on that? Deliberate. Leanne? Well, the time scale I'm looking at at the minute is to get the club in a much more self-sustaining position within five years. That would be where I'd like to be, and I think so. We need to pump prime a lot of that, and as you know, Pat, a lot of the costs sit within the football department. And the infrastructure, you know, the training base, etc. So these are things that we need investment. Um, we we have an academy at the minute, and it's produced some fantastic players over the years. But it's 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 needing a lot of it's needing a lot of um, tender loving care. It's needing some structure. It's needing some people. It's needing some you know. It's needing all of the things that a professional academy um, would need. And again, I've got this. And again, it's just it's my view. But I think the participation program and the academy program shouldn't be miles apart. Because I think the coaches can work across both of these things. You know, you can still offer a participation program, for example, to to to, to young people who might not go on to be professional footballers, but you can still give them great strength and conditioning programs and good sports science and help them in lots of different ways to make them better people, better athletes, better you know, better at what they do. So I want to try and bring the academy and the participation program much closer together. And you know, we are not kind of handcuffed with what needs to happen if you're a Premier League side who needs to have a recognised academy so that you can participate in Europe and so you get all the solidarity money and things. We can try different things. We can try and do things that you know maybe clubs in the Premier League find it hard find it hard to do. How do you how do you feel, Leanne, about the the leagues having been scrapped for three weeks? And and I guess at the moment, you know, you wouldn't be too surprised if if that was extended a bit longer as well. I think well, I think we first and foremost under, I think we have to understand where the government is and the kind of difficulties that they've got. Was I surprised? If I'm honest, probably not. I was, you know, I think there was a lot of media. There was a lot of media discussion around football in general, as there has been in the last sort of few days. And I think obviously, 
um, the events of Celtic and Dubai that's kind of propelled that and, and I think football um, I think football probably and you can see it in England as well with the number of positive tests etc and, and, and the different variant we probably needed a little bit of a sense check I'm disappointed that it's happened I can understand it um, but I still think that there's plenty of time in the schedule for uh, for our leagues to finish because we've got plenty of midweeks and we could probably, if we needed to, probably play you know, further into the you know, further into the coast season if we really had to, because it's unlikely, for example, that, unlikely, almost certainly unlikely that teams in our divisions have anybody that's going to be involved in in any of the competitions. So you know, we could probably the pyramid needs to work, right? So if the if the, if, if the Premier League finishes and the Championship finishes, the whole pyramid needs to work. Yeah. So. So let's not say oh, it's okay for the Premier League and the Championship to complete, but actually let's forget about League One and League Two. It all needs to work. Leanne, lovely to talk to you. We could talk to you all night, I think, uh, about a really exciting project and, and the excitement certainly comes through in your voice. So we will talk to you again, but good luck in the new job. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Okay. Good luck. That's Leanne Dempster, the newly appointed Chief Executive of Queen's Park. The news at six on the way and another hour of football chats. Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on heat pump servicing and breakdowns, renewable energy and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. Yeah, Packy Bonner's getting over his pre-match nerves. He has been on the show before, but first time in the studio and good to have him with us as well. Another hour of uh, football chat coming your way. Uh, what would you like to say to Packy Bonner or Stephen Cragen, who are alongside me, Rob McLean, in the studio? Oh eight oh eight seventeen seventeen. 700 last night in Glasgow. Celtic won, Hibs won. It all happened late on in terms of the goal scoring. Uh, David Turnbull, an absolute cracker from a free kick. Celtic thought they had it won at that point. Hibs had other ideas and back they came, um, making up for some disappointing results of late. Jack Ross's team to equalise with Kevin Nisbet scoring his 13th goal of the season. 1-1 it finished and it's now 21 points of a difference at the top of the Premiership. Yes, Celtic do have uh, three games in hand, but it's a tall order. Or is it all over? Is there no way back at all now for Celtic? Or maybe it was the case anyway that Rangers had the title home and host. What do you think? Let us know. It was Gavin Strachan who was in charge of Celtic last night with, of course, Neil Lennon and John Kennedy uh, both isolating so it was uh, up to Gordon Strachan's son one of the backroom staff to react to that result uh, so I want to take really put a lot into the game a lot of positive things fantastic goal a real sort of sucker punch at the end so it's uh, it's a tough one to take 13 players missing so a couple of youngsters in the side it was still a pretty decent side though that Celtic were able to put out yeah we, we knew we knew they were good players but you know against a good physical Hibs team and, and for the most part we managed it really well so it's just a, a manner of the goal is quite difficult to take 
A lot of the questions, of course, after the match last night weren't about the game. The, the, naturally enough, um, they, they were about uh, the, the Celtic trip to Dubai and uh, the after effects of that and all the players missing and self-isolating Neil Lennon, John Kennedy included, Packy. It was a pretty tall order for, for Gavin Strachan to have to uh, stand up in front of the cameras and the microphones last night and give the answers. Yeah, I felt sorry for him, actually. I think you can hear from his voice that it was a bit of a body blow that that last goal going in. Uh, I think he would have been in a better spirit uh, if he had to get a result, that's for sure. <laughs> he would have been bouncing, actually, I think, after having to take over the team and putting out a sort of kind of a, let's call it a decent team. They had no strikers. Uh, the Mikey Johnson uh, and young Cameron Harper up front. Uh, and, and they were never going to be, you know, players that you could knock a ball up to and, and uh, to the stick. It was almost a case building the game and trying to find little patterns mm-hmm. to get them in and, and, and they were always on the move and their movement was good, don't get me wrong. And and uh, especially young Cameron Harper who who has got a little bit of pace, he can play in so many different positions. So I think if he got away with it and got got the result, I think you would find a very much more upbeat uh Gavin Strachan and and, and uh, but yeah but the other questions that he had a field in relation to the thing I, I, I should should Celtic have put someone else up should someone else from mm. the from the the you know the board boardroom level you know in the absence well, certainly of certainly Neil, Neil, Neil Lennon would have been well capable of of hand, handling all the questions that were coming Gavin Strachan's way last night yeah, but, but it's not but should Celtic have fronted up at a higher level last night well it's certainly then they wouldn't have been talking about the game at all <laughs> if somebody else was, no, no, was but, positioned but Gavin Strachan could have answered the football questions yeah. and then it, when they went when the questions went elsewhere somebody else could have taken over yeah uh, who that who that should have been it would have it needs to be somebody from 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 Peter the board Lord, or Peter, Peter Lord. Lowell himself there, as, as, as the chief executive uh, I don't think Peter's ever done that in his, in his, in his term No but these are, these are these are bizarre I, I agree listen it, it, and, and it was difficult for Gavin Strachan um, you know we go back to the point you know could Celtic at this moment in time I don't know you Stephen you have an opinion on this maybe gone too far at the moment for somebody to come out and mm. make a statement I think they have to come out and do it very very quickly to make a statement and just say and say what we talked about right at the start of the programme is that Yes, we we're not uh, stating that we we got the protocols wrong, uh, but we are we're, we are definitely sorry for actually going out there in the first place, and we got the perception, and and the whole thing wrong from that perspective, and we shouldn't have done it. That's that's a very very simple thing. It's not an easy thing to do uh, when you're in a point of. Leadership. It's the right thing to do. It's the right thing. It's to not do, the right thing to but do. It, it's 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 certainly for me. It's it's the right thing to do, and they should do it. Uh, and then that in itself will appease some of us that that are waiting for that leadership. Um, and 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 it's not happened. And the longer it's at, at, at they leave it, I think then more and more of us will will wonder why not. Yeah. Well, well, I you know I've seen some Celtic fans and heard some Celtic fans recently saying, "Is this just a one-off, or is this symptomatic of a, a, a Celtic football club? Not just the team, but the club." Getting quite a few things wrong. Yeah, well, it's, you know, you know, our, our, the one thing that maybe that they've got wrong this year has been probably the the recruitment yep. policy. That that would be one. You can't lay the the results probably at the door of the board or the chief executive. What happens on the pitch? That's down to Neil Lennon and the staff and his players. 
obviously it's if you can connect that with recruitment then then there's there's an issue and and let's face it and i think most of us would say that the ones that's been brought on hasn't quite worked now there's mitigating circumstances for that the covid maybe the the all of those things uh, at the very start of the season just didn't probably um create the right environment for these players to come in and really get a bounce from the fans not being in the ground all of those things but at the end of the day they paid huge money for them they're paying huge wages at the club uh, and you would expect more from the players they're not uh, they're not privileged to win every single game that's for sure but when when they start losing the amount of games they did and, and then we we talked many times about uh, why they lost the games defensively and all that when you start looking and you can only see what's on the pitch you can only talk about what's on the pitch so and and the, sort of that hasn't worked for them you know Shane Duffy has not been a success uh, he played well enough last night he led the line quite well at the back uh, he had to take on that experience uh, but over over the piece I think Shane himself would admit that it has not been what, what he expected um, I don't think the, the other strikers that he brought in um, you know Yeti and Klamala has worked that well Turnbull has been the one yeah one real, uh, and he's a young player, and we all thought that that uh, maybe he should have been in the team a wee bit earlier. But uh, I think they were trying to wait for him to to get a bit more kind of experience of the environment and working with the rest of the players. But he's he's developing onto a, probably a player that you would write in in the team sheet every week yeah. now. So that's that's that was a really good bit of business. But the board have spent money. Yeah. Uh, then the question will be: Well, who's recruiting, and how is it? How how is the what sort of type of players are they recruiting? Is it worth the money that they've, they've they've paid out? Yeah, and they're looking across the city and they're looking at the recruitment, the recruitment that Rangers have done, and they're seeing uh, a massive a massive contrast. Completely, you know. So there's so many questions need to be asked. When you consider at the start of this season, this would be one of Celtic's biggest seasons ever, mm. potentially getting ten in a row. You know, the one the nine titles, you know, like, trophy after trophy. This should have been built up. This team should have been hitting the ground running and really making a mark on the season. But since early in the season, going out of the Champions League, late with signings, the fans not being happy with the management, not being happy with the board, going away to Dubai, everything just seemed as if they're self-combusting themselves. You know, they're they're making it difficult for themselves with decision making, with you know, not speaking out in public to the about the the management structure at the club, the recruitment, about going to Dubai. It's as if they've lacked a little bit of leadership at times, which is strange for a club who are in such a strong position. Complacency. Well, and you've well, got. Well, it you could would be, hope not. It could well, be complacency would, to a point, yeah. but you've got to say that over the years, Peter Lawwell and the board and that have done remarkable work to position the club. Um, they were in the chance They got a lot of money. Um, you could then start analysing all of that. It was the money well spent that they position themselves for the next period. Uh, and and all of that can be questioned um, and that, but um, I think probably the, the other issue is that they're actually looking across uh, across at Rangers and focusing too much on Rangers. Mm. Okay, well, well they what, should be they should be focusing on on what they should be doing and moving forward. Yep. Yeah, well, talking about Rangers, let's talk to Craig, who's a Rangers fan. Hi, Craig. Nope, we don't seem to have uh, Craig at the moment. So, uh, sorry, Packy. Um, y- yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? So you have to focus on, on what you can do, what you're in control of, not worry about what, what else. I know it's always been there from the fans' perspective and all that, but from a leadership point of view, I think you've got to really focus mm. on what you, the vision you have. Yeah. And, and I know this year is a special year, especially for the fans and all that, and maybe, maybe that in itself 
disturb the thinking a little bit that we have to do and, and, and it all get caught up. But I think they've got to now sit down and say, well, where are we going in the next four to five years? Who, who we do have is Regan, who's a Celtic fan. Hi, Regan. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, good. How are you? I'm doing fine, Rob. Good man. Um, I just want to ask Taki about Celtic, the transfer business. Yes. So, uh, so I basically started for last night. Well, the Celtic have thrown away the league. It's now over. You can say congratulations to Steven Gerrard and Rangers. Rangers have been fantastic. But I just, I just want to say, surely for Celtic, the, the Celtic fans will, 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 will appreciate a Celtic win and got a good manager instead of spending it on players. Who's, who they don't know at the moment, they would rather spend millions of pounds on a good manager like Eddie Howe or someone that could bring success for next season rather than spend the money they don't need to spend when they've already lost their league. Yeah, well, to answer your question, I don't think they should spend huge money in this window. I think it's the wrong window. They, I don't they won't they do will. it anyway. And, and it's the wrong window to spend big money in. Because you're now picking up players, or you're looking at players probably that other isn't getting into t- uh, other teams, uh, and maybe clubs want them out to, to get them off the wage bill and so on and so forth. So uh, unless it's down to a necessity that you've you've got a real sort of void in, in, in the balance of your team, and you have to try to get somebody in to fill a gap. But I don't think they have enough. Even they showed it last night. They have enough players. They were unfortunate they lost all of their forward line. You know, Griffiths, Edward, Clamala. A Yeti, there's four of them. They don't, they, what they need to do is try to get get this season over, but plan for next season. Yeah. And the, the next one, though, after this, is a critical, the critical one, Regan. And, and, and are they planning with Neil Lennon? Well, that's, that's, that's ne- going to be the big season, debate. Or not? Because obviously the, the, the Dermot Desmond has said it's Neil Lennon till the end of the season. What he hasn't said is it's Neil Lennon next season. Well, did he that, say that? Or did he, did he not say that they were going to reevaluate uh, in January? Well, they've since but, said but I think he will be... Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. So, so then, then that that's always the issue for for going forward. Because if you're in a situation, then you must question who's the one that's making the final decision on the players and and leaving leaving it to get players in until July and so on. I think I think it's almost too late. You need to have your players lined up. But clubs uh, think that way, don't they? Clubs don't just look at the next six months. Clubs try and think, well, if the manager leaves. What's the kind of next manager we're looking for? What's the profile of a manager we're but looking for? But that goes for? with also a profile of the players. The players exactly. In. And but that then the player, that manager should, for me, I think every manager at those top clubs needs to have the final say in the manager. You can line mm. up players and he can say, listen, I need a list of players. And then he has a he has a recruitment policy there. He's got people that, that he trusts within that recruitment policy to bring a list of players for a particular position. Some you may not be able to afford, some may not, he might not say no, but there might be one or two in that list. But if you don't have your list and you don't, but I think the manager, the manager has got to be the one that makes the final decision. Now, it could be down that he wants this one and financially the club say, listen, hold on a second, we can't afford the wages, whatever. And that debate goes on, as we know, Stephen, among most clubs. But the manager needs to have a role in that. Now, your question about Neil Lennon, if Neil Lennon's going to be there, does that... For me, if if he's in, involved in that process, I wouldn't. If I was a new manager coming in, I would I would be saying no, no, I I don't want I don't want that uh, the last manager picking the players for me, and then it comes down to say, well, you take Neil Lennon out of that equation, and then is it is it the chief executive? Is it the recruitment officer? You know, are they the ones that's going to pick the the next 
the players for the next three to four years and then pick a manager to fit in with that. Yeah, and, th- and this that's, season, that's, th- a, that's a chancy business. And this season could fizzle out, couldn't it? If if uh, if, if, Neil, if Neil if Neil Lennon is in charge till the end of the season, but he knows and everybody knows that Celtic are looking elsewhere for for next season. That, that this this season could fizzle. It could it could then have some long lasting issues. You know, with the players who are still going to remain at the club. I think I've said it previously, Rob, that I think this summer for Celtic is going to be huge. There's going to be a big turnover of players because of players who've I think it's five or six who've got 18 months left in their contract. Ryan Christie, Hudson uh, Edward, and Cham Christopher Ayer. So they're going to be looking to move on or Celtic are going to have to cash in and get good money while they can because once they enter the last year of the contract then the value really goes downhill. You've then got others like Scott Brown who may retire. Lax Alt will have to go back to his his parent club. They need a goalkeeper potentially if Barkas, you know, does he move on if he's not doing... So there's, there's a major facelift needed on the playing staff and Packy's right I think we said it last week you can't wait until June or July. That no. has to start now. And if they're going to try and do that or bring a manager in behind Neil Lennon's back if he's in charge it just causes more issues you know so there has to be clarity it has to be clarity somewhere along the line and and is it Packy I'm wondering what do you think is it? Could it be another Brendan Rodgers type? I think it could. It be a glamour appointment, something to rival Stephen Gerrard at Rangers. Well, are you saying Brendan Rodgers wasn't a glamour appointment? Mm. <laughs> I no, think no, it was. No, but, but, he, no, but, no, but Rangers, that profile, but Rangers almost reacted to Brendan Rodgers when he yeah. was when he was at Celtic. They yeah. thought we've got to go big and brought in Stephen Gerrard. Maybe now Celtic have to respond mm-hmm. to what Rangers have as but a manager. It costs yeah. that though. It costs money. It you does. Know, but but I, a, you know, not just in wages, Rob, but in transfers and wanting big players. I mean, which means the wage bill goes up even higher. Yeah, yeah. On the back of a season of, of COVID nineteen, when they you know said that the that their profit has, has completely plummeted, so it's going to take a major cash investment if that is the case. Yeah, Rob, there's there's very few managers in the profile out there like Brendan Rodgers who can manage and uh, almost have this philosophy and vision of coaching that 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 Brendan had. Mm. There's very few of them, but. What, what Brendan Rodgers was able to do is look at the group of players he had he added to it of course but he, the group of players that was there and made them made really them better. better players made them really players who understood the game and really played played a, a lovely type of football to a point sometimes you could sit back and analyse it and say again defensively that, that uh, they were wide open at times and, and they got hurt against the big teams in Europe uh, we, we remember that of course but in the main I think the, the fans enjoyed that that Neil Lennon came in there and changed a little bit and was a little bit more direct uh, and that worked and the fans quite enjoyed it so it's getting that balance what type of manager do you pick uh, how many out there fits the profile you've got to get, they've got to get it right this time that's for mm. sure I don't think that there's a huge amount wrong I don't I don't think it's uh, you know you're talking there Stephen about uh, you know players going out and a whole role shift and it could ch- I think if they got the 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 back door, the defensive side, right. They've enough going forward. They showed it against Rangers. They have enough going forward. Edward may move on. Uh, will they get the money for him that they can reinvest in another type of striker? Uh, we, we don't know. Uh, but certainly, if you took the, the current cohort of players that they have, if they were able to get the f- defensive structure right somehow, I, I would actually go with Conor Hazard to say that I, I, I'm... I'm uh, he's a young goalkeeper. I would go to, uh, people might say, well, no, we need a real goalkeeper of quality. Give You've him a chance. To, give him a chance and let him develop. They've got him for nothing. Let him play for the rest of the yeah. season now. 
Uh, I know. And they make it, a decision. Yeah, make if a he's decision. Good enough, on he stays. Him. If he's not, those then he has are to the move things on. That, that you would be saying. Let's let's see them. They've given Sorrow a chance. He's come in. Uh, I'm not sure how much they paid from. Did they pay a couple of two, million? Two, two, two and a half. Yeah. But, but yeah. they put him into the team, and he's done okay. Um, you know, so a Turnbull has they paid money for him. He's going to, but these are young players who are going to be there for for a period. They may have to add a few more to it. I think Scott Brown will probably get to a stage where he will probably need to say, well, am I going to go to coaching or move on or stay at the club in, in some other capacity? Uh, and that, and he's not going to play every every game now. Uh, I think that's that's evident to him and evident to most of us. He's still got an influence around the club, of of course. But you know, so so just planning and organizing that. The manager thing is probably the biggest decision that they have to make now. You know, Neil stays. How will they do the recruitment? Will he be involved in that recruitment policy? Does he does he have to step away and somebody else coming in? What players already lined up? I think that's that's a, a real grey area that they that, that they have to manage really well. Yep, a lot to be sorted out on the back of uh, the trip to Dubai and Celtic won Hibs won last night and a 21-point gap now at the top of the Premiership. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go! That was Chris with the travel and uh, just heard from Barry and Sia there, obviously impacted uh, by that three-week shutdown for all football below championship level in Scotland and let's hope it doesn't extend any longer than that just a few minutes away from kickoff at Tannadice in tonight's Premiership game Dundee United against St Johnston uh, tomorrow night it's Ammonville for Livingston and Aberdeen that rearranged March 7.45 and the chance for uh, Livingston to make it nine wins on the bounce and we heard how buoyant and uh, optimistic uh, Josh Mullen was he was on the show in the first hour talking about this incredible run of form from uh, Livingston 7.45 tomorrow night for that one the Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited Rob McLean in the studio with Stephen Cragen and uh, Packy Bonner and of course you can be very much part of it too 0808 17 17 700. Let's talk to Davey, who's a Rangers fan. Hi, Davey. Hi there. How you doing? Good. How's yourself? I'm not bad. Hope you're all well on the board. Yeah, I hope you're well too, Davey. What would you like to say? Uh, I would like to talk about the tackle on Bona Barisic against Aberdeen. Yeah. Um, basically, I'd, I'd, I would quite like the SFA to come out and actually um, get the boy banned because I thought that tackle was absolutely ridiculous. It was a leg breaking tackle. And for Michael Stewart to come out and make them comments, I think is absolutely ridiculous. It was Curtis Main, wasn't it, that, yeah. that made the challenge? Aye, it was. It was Curtis Main, big striker. Yeah. Cra- Crags, what did you reckon? Well, I think it's quite clear. Listen, I know Curtis because he was at Motherwell when I was there, and, you know, that doesn't really play a part in it. You have to judge the incident as a standalone incident. And when you go as high as what Curtis Main went and as aggressive as what Curtis Main meant, uh, endangering the safety of an opponent from a tackle from the front side or behind, and you put your foot up towards someone's thigh. I know he caught Borna Barisic in the shin, but you know when you put it in in relation to his body, he would have you know effectively tackled him above his knee. Then unfortunately, that is a red card. And I think the fact that Derek McInnes took him off immediately tells you what Derek McInnes thought that Aberdeen were already down to ten men and they couldn't afford to go down to nine men. So um, as a standalone tackle, I'm afraid it's a red card, endangering the safety of, him, of an opponent, playing in a dangerous manner. Absolutely, it was, and I think that's why it had to be a red card. 
Yeah, I, uh, listen, I was a defender, a goalkeeper for that matter, a defender. I was never a striker, so I don't know what goes through strikers' minds at times. That's for sure. He was almost, when it comes almost, to tackling. He was almost on the touchline as well. Yeah, I listened to Willie Miller, for example, who's who's working with me at BBC. And uh, Willie ha, had, was all, almost adamant that it, that it was a sending off. Um, um, he was sitting up in the stand and he could see the aggression in his eyes when he was going to uh, coming for the ball, um, and so from from that perspective, he had lost control. He had yeah, lost control. Out of, out of control. And it was dangerous. Um, and in the modern game, no matter what anybody says, uh, if your legs high, you're coming in late. You don't make connection with the ball, even though it's, it's front on. Uh, then I would assume that that would have been uh, a red card. Uh, and that I didn't see the incident properly. I haven't analysed it close enough to to see where he where did he make contact, did he hit him, whatever, all of those. But even at that, you've got to probably call it as as a, a reckless tackle. David, did you think it was in the referee's head that he'd already sent off one Aberdeen player and he wasn't going to send off a second one? I I think that as well. Actually, I think he obviously you don't want to flash two red cards in the game. Uh, so it was obviously a big turning point in the game if he was to flash another red card. So I, I probably think you're right there. That shouldn't come into it. No, I know it shouldn't. You know that shouldn't but, but, come no, into it. But we are talking human nature, aren't we? And and you know, are you saying yeah. that, that that doesn't happen though inside a referee's head? Well, it shouldn't. Ah, true. Obviously, it shouldn't happen. But aye, it does. Do you think the the first sending off was a straight sending off when you when you look back at the incident and analyze it? Just because it? of the rules, I think. I think you know it, it seems cruel um, because Rangers had a penalty and it's and it's a it's a man off as well for Aberdeen. That seems pretty cruel because of the nature of the challenge. But actually, the rules tell John Beaton that he had to go for he that because, because well, he didn't he, he, could, he, didn't, he didn't make any attempt to play the ball. No, no, no. But but it was an, uh, let's face it. I think it was an accident because he was trying to get back across but, behind. He wasn't going to really tackle Morelos because no. he knew the goalkeeper was but what coming. What I would to, say is, could. Ryan Hedges have avoided any contact with Morelos. Did he need to go across the back of him? I think because he tried he was, to. That's the point. But, yeah, but, but he didn't need to. But he didn't need to cross over. To, to, he, was, he was running beside him. Yeah, but and I just, then he decided to cross over. So he he's, interfered. He's, he's trying with to the put off. He's trying, he's trying to put him off. off. Yeah. See if it happens in the middle of the pitch. It's a yellow card. Yeah. Okay. It's, well, then why should it's it a yellow be card a yellow? because it's a clear goal scoring opportunity? Yeah. In the box, so that's why it becomes red. But I, I thought just looking at it that it, it was a bit of an accident. He was trying to uh, almost get it. He didn't want to go into the tackle because he knew his goalkeeper was coming. He knew he wasn't going to win the mm. ball, and he was almost he just almost clipped him. Now, what I'm saying though, the point I was going to make was maybe that was in the back of the referee's mind also that maybe somebody and in, in his ear said him or this was the second half, was it? Yeah, but but against but, but against that Derek McInnes Derek McInnes spoke to John Beaton at halftime, asked him about it. Obviously, yeah. John Beaton ex- explained the rules, and in Derek McInnes's after-match interview, he he said he accepted the ruling. So mm. so if the Aberdeen manager didn't have a problem but, with I know that, but what you were talking about the mindset here, yeah, just in, in from that perspective, that maybe it was. He had to put him off, but in his own mind he felt, well, I have to put him off here, but it's a bit harsh. But maybe that then came to in his mind when the next one, I know, take your point, Stephen, it shouldn't no. it shouldn't be the case. But, you know, and then takes Rob's point is to say maybe just in the mind of the referee, he just, you know, yeah. the, the second book and they're down to, down to 10 men 
uh, and I'll book him rather than send him off. Davey, lots, lots of ifs and buts and maybes about the, the red card, yellow card, but no doubt about the result. Another win for your team. Uh, 22 points it was at the time, 21 after Celtic's draw with Hibs last night. It's surely all done and dusted, isn't it? Uh, well, I hope so. There's still a lot of football to be played. There's a couple more old thumbs, so it's not done and dusted until uh, it's mathematically possible. Oh, are, you, are, you, are, you pre- are, you, are you preaching the Stephen Gerrard <laughs> mantra, the stay humble and take it one game at a time? Oh, I think that's the best way to go about it. Don't be gloating in the faces of the opposition and that and just carry on winning. That's all we need to do. Well, this is, what, this, this is what the manager said afterwards. Well, we're very pleased with the results coming here. Uh, we said before the game, it's a tough game. Credit to Aberdeen, staying in the game. I thought we were excellent until 2-0. The chances we were creating were, was very good, but at 2-0, we, we changed our mentality and our mindset. We decided to try and play walking football. We were playing passes and making decisions that we didn't need to make. Me leaders on the pitch didn't change us in terms of having the right balance behind the ball. So there's a lot of things we need to look at within the performance and the results, but to take nine from nine from Aberdeen's uh, a big effort from the boys. Were you worried, Davey, uh, at that point in the game when, when it was 2-0, Rangers appeared to be cruising early second half uh, and then Aberdeen with 10 men came back into it and scored? No, I wasn't worried, worried at all. Uh, I thought we had the game under control and it was just a little bit of a lack of concentration that happens in football, but no, I wasn't worried at all. Do you feel as if the, the Rangers' achievement has been submerged a wee bit in the last week because of all the, the chat about Celtic in Dubai? Uh, no, not at all. I'm not really concentrating on Celtic. Concentrating more on the team. <laughs> I, still think, I still think we're doing absolutely brilliant. Uh, the Celtic debate is obviously a different conversation, but uh, I. You must be delighted uh, to see Alfredo Morelos coming back to form. I mean, it, it really was back with a bang because we haven't seen anything like that from him uh, recently. But here was Stephen Gerrard talking about his number 20. I'm delighted with him because Sutton seems to have changed in the last couple of weeks. He's training ever so well. He seems really happy. Maybe that's because he's playing more and he's feeling sharper, but he's training well. And, and I think his performance today has come on the back of him working really hard. Uh, I thought his two goals were typical Morelos goals. Felt he played closer to the goal today than previous. Uh, you know, When you're lacking a bit of confidence and the goals are not coming, sometimes you go further away from the goal as a striker instead of going the other way. Credit to him, outstanding and, and deserves his man of the match. I mean, the goals have been coming for Rangers anyway. It hasn't really mattered this season as they've cruised into that, that massive lead, Davey. But it, it's great to have your, your traditionally over the last couple of years, your, your main goal scorer doing what he does again. Yeah, it's brilliant to see him back on the score sheet. He deserves it. He's a cracking little player. I'll tell you what, you know, the bit about it, Stephen Gerrard spoke out a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? And he, he praised Alfredo Morelos for his, his work ethic, his hold-up play, his link-up play out with his goals because he was going through that, that barren spell but he wasn't smiling he wasn't enjoying himself and you could see that he wasn't enjoying himself he wanted to score goals he gets the first goal and the second goal on Sunday and that smile is back he wants to be the main man strikers are like that Packy. you know strikers, that they, they strikers want to be the, goals you know, they want to be the centre of attention they love people talking about them and that's why it was a complete difference from him enjoying the link-up play, but he wants to be the goal scorer. Ask any striker. Run. You know, at the end of the season, they look back and say, "How many goals did I score? Mm. And and when did I score them? Which games did I score them? <laughs> did I score them?" And, and and people look back over the years and 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 say and show footage of great games, and they were the they were the kings. They were the yeah. ones that put the ball in the back. And fine doing the other part, and you need the other part yeah. of. of Closing people down, chasing, but you want to be scoring goals. Uh, it's interesting for Morelos, you know, in a team that is dominating and a team that's scoring so many goals, 
Uh, and if you end up at the end of a season where your main striker is not up there at the top of the goal, <laughs> goal scoring charts, you would be asking yeah. questions. You you really would be asking questions. Mm-hmm. Is is that player fitting into what 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 we need to do? And then then you talk about the value of Morelos and and because you know if they're going to cash a few in at the end of the season, would he be one that you would get big big money for? I think about uh, any potential uh, buyers out there would be also looking at his goal ratio. Um, this season, especially when they're when they're really on the ascendancy, and there have been times, Davy, when some Rangers fans uh, would have happily seen the back of Alfredo Morelos when he appeared to be more trouble than he was worth, but not not when you see him doing what he did on Sunday. Sorry, can you hear you there, Robert? Is that you said again? I was just I was just saying that there there have been times this season, you know, and, and in recent seasons where some Rangers fans would have happily seen the back of Morelos and got rid of him because they felt he was more trouble than he was worth. But but I, what I was saying was not when you see him, uh, you know, fulfilling the role of a top class striker as he did on Sunday. Ah uh, well, I, I know what you mean, Rob. I uh, listen. Everybody's got their flaws. Nobody's a perfect football player. Um, Obviously, he's a bit angry in that sometimes, but when he's on the goal-scoring charts, you can't, you can't really complain. And what about Scott Wright? Um, there's talk that uh, Stephen Gerrard apparently uh, had a word with Derek McInnes on Sunday after the match to say that uh, they could be interested in doing a pre-contract with, with Scott Wright. How do you rate him? He's not a bad player. Um, he's quick. Um, he'd be a good squad player anyway, so I wouldn't say no to him especially for a free enemy in a pre-contract. Craigs? I just think it's, it's it's the model that they want to go down, Rangers, that they want to try and sign the best of the rest, you know, the best young Scottish players. They went for Jake Hastie, it didn't work out. Uh, they went for Jordan Jones, it hasn't worked out as yet. So they're always looking for... Yeah, well, Greg, I suppose he's probably, a little bit, he's probably a little bit older, but I just think they're looking for players around the other clubs, a sprinkling of players who can come in and make an impact, and it might not be initially, but... You know, longer term, he's got the attributes. I think he was having a really good season, but he's had a couple of knockbacks through injuries. But he looks as if he's becoming a more accomplished player, Scott Wright. Is it a big jump for him to go to Rangers? It would be, but I'm sure it's one that he would fancy. And he would certainly bring something a little bit different because he like the Greg Stewart, Jordan Jones, Jake Casey. If they all moved on, for example, he would need to fill that void. And with a young Scottish talent coming through who knows the league, that could be the ideal Where one. Where would you play him? That's the question. You well, know he'd, he'd probably play as one of the wide ones, wouldn't he? One of the wide ones, or because their wide players play narrow anyway. Yeah. They yeah. Do, they out they wingers, they you play narrow. Your... And that's his kind of setup yeah. is to play in behind the striker. So, um, yeah, would he get into the team? Would he be another well, that, 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 But that's up to him. Gonna, yeah, I, that's what I, he I has to do. But uh, I think Rangers, if, if they're going to make the next big step, is they've probably asked players is going to come straight into the team well, they and will. Make a big impact. But you'd imagine they want to beef up around the edges as well and bring in the young talent and give them the chance and it won't cost a lot of money. And as Craig says, Packy, that, that's something that Rangers and Celtic can afford to do is cherry pick around yeah. the other Scottish clubs and, and pick the best young prospects and, and see what happens. And if it doesn't happen, then they move them on. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at what, what Celtic have the business did with Turnbull, uh, you know, they paid money. They went after him. He got a horrific injury, but what a, what a credit to the young man that he's overcome that. And they went went and got him again, and now he's he's turning and performing. He's become one of the main guys. So so that 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 exactly, you know. And sometimes we look beyond our own league at times. You know, I was talking about Josh Mullen, Mullen there. You know that I was impressed when I watched him. Sometimes it's it's the the, the recruitment is. The, the guy who can spot that talent and spot mm-hmm. what it takes to to really, but then when you come in, you've got to make an impact. Mm. You, you don't want to be coming in and just sitting on the periphery, no. uh, and and then your your career nosedives. Scott Wright wouldn't be a big risk. 
you know, financially. No, but for himself, yeah, but he it, has to come in really. But he has to challenge himself. If the opportunity comes for him to go to Rangers and he thinks it's a next logical step for him, it's not a big risk for Rangers financially to bring him in. It's not a big risk for him because likelihood is if he doesn't get a game, then he'll still get a move from Rangers to somewhere else. So yeah. I think it's a win-win for both parties. I was looking at some of the young players that Celtic had on the bench last night, you know, players that we haven't really seen much of yet. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to look down, down the list. Look at Connell, for example, who came over, yeah. who came off from England, but but uh, that young Irish man, and he's never really had a chance. I think he's played one or two off periphery. I would have loved to have seen him come on last night because there, there was a lot of talk about him making an impact, but he's been around the club now for almost, what, nearly two seasons mm-hmm. uh, and uh, hasn't really had a look in. Uh, I know he's still young, uh, but sometimes you can be there then and, and almost fade away uh, coming to a big club. So, so it's, it's a chance for the player, but they'll always take the chance because yeah. it's another big step up for them. Davey, thanks for your call and uh, look after yourself. Spawn, guys, thank you. You used to. Cheers. That's Davey on the Goat Radio Football Show. 20 minutes of football chat still to come. The Goat Radio Football Show. Let's go. The Goat Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited to the final 15 minutes with Rob McLean, Stephen Cragen, and uh, Packy Bonner. Dundee United against St Johnston is uh, 15 minutes old at Tannadice. And there's more Premiership football tomorrow night, of course. It's Livingston against Aberdeen before we head into another weekend again. On the back of uh, last weekend's results, of course, Kilmarnock 2-0 winners against Hamilton at Rugby Park on Saturday. Greg Kilty scored them both. Uh, I was in Paisley to watch St Mirren and Motherwell drawing 1-1. Interesting penalty decision in that game. Gray Alexander's first in charge of the Fur Parkers, at least putting a point on the board. And of course, Sunday, the games we've been uh, talking about, Aberdeen 1, Rangers 2, and uh, Livingston 3, Ross County 1. Eight wins on the bounce for Davey Martindale and his team last night. Celtic 1, Hibs 1. Let's talk to Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hiya, how you doing? You're good. good. Yeah, all well, thanks. How are you? I'm all good. Happy New Year, by the way. Aye, same to you. I, I usually <laughs> stop saying Happy New Year in about mid-March. So pl- <laughs> so plenty of time left. What would you like to say, Ryan? Um, I'm just wondering what you guys would think about um, the SFA because I don't, with the, with the Celtic situation, because I don't, I think, as a fan, I think there needs to be more consistency across the board. I mean, when I'm finding little clubs and uh, not punishing the big clubs, I don't think that's very fair. Tracks. Well, well, we'll wait and see if Celtic get punished. That That's mm-hmm. what everybody's waiting to see. I think the SFA had said that they will have an investigation. I think that's been the uh, the common theme from uh, the SPFL and the, and the SFA over the past six or seven months. Everybody wants to have internal investigations. So, listen, it'll be interesting to see the outcome. Plus, of course, this Thursday we have the outcome of the the points that were awarded to Motherwell and Hamilton that were taken back off them again, the games that were called off. So I think there's a few big weeks coming up with regards um, the SFA and the SPFL with decisions they have to make and they will uh, either open a can of worms because other clubs then will be unhappy and supporters will be unhappy and clubs will be unhappy or um, I'm not too sure which way they'll go. So there's certainly a lot of questions to be answered whether or not uh, it's the answers people want to hear but there's certainly... A big 10 days or so coming up from the SFA and the SPFL. Mm. What do you think, Ryan, yourself? Yeah, I just, I, 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 as I said, I think it's unfair because, if, as uh, Stephen Fagan said, they need, they need to be more. Because if they're finding little clubs and then not doing the big clubs, then there's going to be disarray for wee clubs to big clubs, you know, and it's going to be unfair. Um, 
also think the SFA should do a bit more with this, all this coronavirus as well for the little clubs that have all stopped playing football as well. So I think a lot of them will be really, really badly suffering now with no fans in. Yeah, well, listen, I look at my former club, Partick Thistle, for example. You know, they're a full-time outfit in the third tier. Yeah, what is it? Four, is there four teams that's uh, full-time teams. in those four lower leagues? Full-time. Thistle, Queen's Park... Uh, Falkirk and Airdrie and Airdrie which is which yeah. is, and that's big commitment to keep yeah. that whole thing going so, yeah. just think, so you're talking about stopping part-time football but it's affecting some full-time well, teams I think more than anything it's affecting Partick Thistle because ever since the decisions were made to call the league last season they're the club that seems to be on the wrong end of every decision because they were probably the it was probably the most unjust for them to be relegated because they had a game in hand of the team above yeah Queen of the South if they won that game they would have went above them and the reason the game didn't go ahead was because Inverness had a game in the Challenge Cup so it couldn't have been played so they feel really hard done by they then come down to divisions uh, the Championship Clubs was it Grants £500,000 they can apply yeah, for that's right. League 1's 150000 so there's another hit for Partick Thistle now football has been stopped they've invested in full-time staff full-time players grant, stopped the game but, but at 150 grand, they will still get that Yes, but I'm saying It'll if they'd be, been in the league above, it would have been 350 grand more. Yes. So they're losing out effectively and on the chance to get their hands on another 350 grand, yet they went full time. So it seems to be a continual knock on effect of them getting but, hurt. But sorry, just on that, the three week uh, almost re- stoppage. Stoppage. The, ga- the games, those games will still be played. Um, what, they'll they'll yeah, still they'll continue. Played, well, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is there a real fear that? That's the, the danger. That, that the lower leagues might not start again. There's yeah, got well, to be. Well, 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 that, that, would be the, that would be the bigger question. You know, having having a, a gap. I, I listened to one of the directors in the Highland League talking about it at, at the weekend. Uh, was it Peter Head? It. Was it the Peter Head? Uh, it was Finley, Finley Noble, is it? Is that, is that the chap's name? Um, from one of the... But, but he was talking about them having a meeting to actually maybe probably pull the plug on the Highland League because... Uh, you know of the current climate and so on, um, and and they were, they were they were talking about part-time players travelling around, mm-hmm. and these were part-time players with jobs, uh, and so on, uh, and and it wasn't quite working out for them from that perspective. So and, so and there will be that and, argument there that it might be the right thing to do, but it does affect some of those yeah. full-time clubs as long as they're able to restart again and yeah. get well, the well, league finished. Let's be honest, what are the chances of three weeks becoming considerably longer in terms well, of a stoppage? I mean, I'm just, you were talking about Park Thistle, Craig's one of your old clubs, and I was just looking at their, their statement from yesterday. They issued an angry statement that was well put together and it ends up saying Park Thistle's experience should serve as a lesson to clubs who thought we should take a hit for football with the demotion and suck it up. But it's now gone way beyond that. Enough is enough. All we want is to be given the same opportunity to play as other full-time clubs. But once again, we're being pushed to the edge and left to wonder whether anyone in any position of authority in Scottish football will do something to help other than simply issue warm but empty words. Mm. Yeah, there is an argument to be said that all football could could have been stopped yeah. at this moment in yeah. time. And I think that's a fair enough argument to say. Obviously, finance comes into it and so on and so forth. Uh, and that and and Party Thistle is down in that that lower division, not because of anything, but uh, what happened in the summer. Uh, so so yes, they have a they've a they've a right to express their 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 frustrations and concerns and so on and so forth. Absolutely, and their fans have too because they want to see their team playing mm. and so on. As long as the league starts up and they're able to finish it, they're still they able to that. get their grant. But they don't know that. Well. Yeah, but they don't again. know that, that, no, but that they don't it'll, it'll be, start again. But they don't know also that it won't start yeah. again. 
Yeah, but know. the whole point is then this this whole month of January is a month where you can trade your players and you can yeah. bring players in and move them on. They can't even do that. No. So it comes 31st of January, the window shuts, league starts playing again, they haven't been able to strengthen. Some of their players might want to leave in this month because they're not playing. But they it, might but want it, to go to other full-time clubs in the Championship or the Premiership sorry, or somewhere it, else. Sorry, can I ask a question on that? Is it, And I'm not sure about the answer, so please inform me. So the club doesn't totally close down. The games are stopped, but they can still go ahead and do exactly what you're talking about with players and so on. But they can't train. They're not training together. They're not training, no, but they can still trade players and move players yeah, in and out. But you wouldn't. But they can't commit to bringing players in if they don't know if the league's going to start or not. They can't afford that financial risk. And if you're a player, are you going to go to a club who might not start again for the rest of the season? Yeah. You know what I mean? Too, so, too much uncertainty. There's far too much uncertainty. You know, and, and mm. it's, it's been... The, the SPFL are out to govern all the football clubs not just selected yeah, ones. Absolutely. And Partick Thistle have yeah. every right in particular to feel aggrieved that every single decision seems to be going against yeah. them as well as ASFA. And Ryan, you're, you're worried clearly for Partick Thistle and for, and for other lower league clubs about what this is all going to mean. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm a St. Johnson man myself. But, right. Um, um, yeah, definitely, because if, you, if they're stopping the, the real leagues but they're keeping the SPL open, then my question as well, I don't know what you guys will think, but have, what evidence have they got that there was more coronavirus people for the championship downwards? Or, or they just stopped it just based on, I don't know, what they based it on? Because I thought, thought they were just going to continue it. But On health matters, you know I mean? yeah. health and safety matters. Mm. You know, the, the Scottish Premiership has always tested, so they can monitor mm. that week by yeah. week. Scottish Championship, I think Hearts have always tested, but the rest now will have to test yes. to continue. Yeah. And again, they will know if there's half a dozen at a club or if it gets worse then they will have to stop playing but they think the safest way to do it is by test and I think it's up to two days before the game yeah, the yeah, game is that, played that's, and, and the way things issues. are that's probably the way it should be Ryan thank you very much for your call to the Go Radio Football okay. Show look after yourself all, you all the best cheers, cheers Ryan um, just before we go Packy the, your uh, your comments right at the top of the show are currently featuring in the Sun football pages online it doesn't take long for words here to transfer there uh, Celtic Chief Peter Lowell owes fans a personal apology over their Dubai debacle, uh, says says Packy Bonner, and uh, well, that's exactly what you were saying right at the top of of the show, and it it remains and it remains something that is very much in the in the hearts and minds of uh, Celtic fans at the moment about what their what their club has done here. Yeah, I've spoken to lots and lots of Celtic fans, and and they're really upset about what what has happened. So I'm just stating what is out there from the fans that they, they want their own club to come out and make something, some sort of statement in relation to this so that, that uh, they can move on from it. Uh, while it's still there, people are going to be sitting down like we're doing tonight and talking about it and talking about it. They've got to now turn the, turn the page and move on to the next, the next step. But they have to almost make that some sort of statement and they want to hear from 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 the club. So so that's just, it's not just me saying it. No, no, that's no, for no, sure. And I know the headline will be I've said Andy Walker said last night because we're in that position to say it. But uh, if, you, if you asked any any Celtic fan around there, they would also expect the exact same. It's it's arousing great emotions, and I mean you could certainly see it in Andy Walker's face on on TV last night. How much I mean, almost to the the breaking down extent. Yeah. Just, just be, because um, it's you know he, in his words, this is not the club I used to play for, which which is a really strong thing to say. I think some people just want the club to take ownership of the situation. Hold your hand up. 
It's not a sign of weakness to say we got it wrong. It's a sign of strength to say, do you know what? We were wrong on this occasion. We've tried to, you know, speak about it in a positive way, but taking the players away, taking the, you know, the staff away to make, we've made a huge error of judgment. And now we're going to say we got it wrong. So it's not just right. Packy Bonner no. saying this now, it's oh, Stephen no, no. Craig saying it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. It, nah. You know what I mean? But, but, it, but it will the stop, headline will be the headline. But it will stop people talking, it will stop us discussing it. Because yeah. until they do come out and put their head above the water and say, we got it wrong, it can't always be obvious. And that, you know, we've done it for this reason, that reason. In any given year, fine. But not when you're right in the middle of a pandemic. That, that's, that's, all, that's all we're saying here. We're, is just the fact that, that Celtic can actually handle this and yeah. and for the moment bring an end to it yeah. by just holding holding a hand up and saying, we got it wrong. For the reasons I said at the very start, yeah. not because they feel that they, they got stuff wrong with protocols, that's, that's not what they're saying here, but from a perception point of view and how the whole thing changed from November right through to when they left, the whole thing was a completely different environment. And at that point, somebody should have said, I don't think we should go here. <laughs> PR yeah, disaster. Very, very simple. PR disaster. There's enough clever people in and around football at Celtic Park and whoever it may be to say, maybe we shouldn't go. Yeah. That's all it would have taken. And then it would have you know, sparked and a conversation. Because that decision wasn't taken, this is what was the outcome. And now somebody's got to come out and say, maybe, maybe we got this wrong. Maybe, listen, listen, and, and we'll say it up front that we got it wrong. So let's, and, and, and the fans then, the fans will appreciate that. Are you, worried, are you worried about the club, the direction it's going in? No, I, I think, listen, I think Peter Lowell has done a, a remarkable job over the years. When you look around the club, I, I was there when times when, when the stadium was the old stadium, then they had built it under Fergus McCann. But even around the stadium now, they've done, they've got a new, they've got the training complex up there. They were in a very healthy state financially. They had traded well uh, over the years in, in, in the market to, and, and they've sold them. That strategy worked when you're on top, when you're winning games and your players have a high value. But as soon as you stop winning, then that strategy may have to change. Uh, and, and that's where, and, and now they're kind of almost stuck a little bit. They've got to move out of this and get going. I, I said it already too, and somebody please quote me the papers that I don't think there's too much wrong if they can really get racked together and think about it going forward in the next three or four years. Packy Bonner, thank you very much indeed for joining us on the Go Radio Hoop Show. Stephen Cragen as well. It's 1-1 already between Dundee United and St Johnston at uh, Tanadice. Apare scoring and Melamed equalising 1-1 in Perth. And Livingston play Aberdeen tomorrow night, of course. And we're back with another Go Radio football show. It's Barry Ferguson and Leanne Crichton with Paul Cooney tomorrow. Join us at five. The Go Radio Football Show. Feel the heat of the game, the crunching tackles, the near misses and diving headers. Feel the drive from the sidelines. Feel the passion of your captain. Feel the celebrations. Feel the last-minute heartache and the penalty save that changes everything. Feel the heat of the game from the comfort of your own home with OPC Energy Limited. For more information on boiler servicing and maintenance, visit opc-ltd.uk. 